0: Hey everybody, and welcome to a FanDrag Sports Soccer Podcast International special with me, Sebastian Noren, Paul DeQuistel, and Elliot Niblock. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about what happened during the international break in the World Cup qualifiers and the U.S. specifically here at the start of the show, as they suffered a tough, tough loss for nothing. Yeah, where do you want to pick this up? For nothing against Costa Rica.
1: I, I mean, I think it was a horror show from beginning to end uh, for, uh, for vari- a wide variety of reasons. Um, I, 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 The, the thing that, that stood out most to me was the performance of John Brooks in this game because he just... he, I, he all, It seemed like every time that he had a chance to kind of acquit himself, he did worse and worse, you know? from missing a great chance really early on to just being caught in no man's land time and time again. I mean, on the whole, though, I mean, also Omar Gonzalez, like, our it just it looked apathetic. It looked lackadaisical and apathetic and even more frustrating in a game in which we weren't totally out of it at halftime. And indeed, when we saw at least the U.S. bounce back against Mexico at halftime in the last World Cup qualifier at the beginning of the weekend... This one just it it was it was ugly. It was ugly and poor, and I I I don't really have many positives to take away from this game, guys.
2: I mean, I've I've just never felt so defeated. Like all day today, I was. This game got me because it's like I've been almost at war with with people and my friends and over what happened and what went wrong and and who's to blame. And and let me tell you something, and I I say this with 100% seriousness, um, in the past week, I don't think there's ever been an issue that has seen Americans become more divided than whether or not we should fire Jurgen Klinsmann. Never, nothing has ever divided this country more. And So you know, you're you're I, ex, you're
0: expecting marches down in New York City for people that wants him fired?
2: Hashtag not my manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's, 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 that's some good
1: humor with the hyperbole. <laughs> I mean,
2: it, it's, it's just exhausting, and I'm trying to explain, like, as people say, like, look, I, I understand that I've always been pro-Quinsman, and this game was a disaster, unequivocal. It was a disaster. Um, and everybody wants to blame Quinsman, but let's, let's not forget, we put a lot of the media and the fans put a lot of pressure on him that you pretty much had to play a 4-4-2 in this game because he changed the formation against Mexico and everybody killed him for that. Mm -hmm. Playing a 4-4-2, uh, when do you, I mean, even Sir Alex Ferguson, he played a 4-4-2 all the time, except for once, except for one situation, away games in the Champions League, never used it in the, in the away game in the Champions League. It was like suicide to do it that way. Same thing goes for an away game in CONCACAF. You can't play two midfielders, especially when your two midfielders are both over 30 years old and neither of them are known for having speed. And what a nightmare selection in midfield
1: it was. I couldn't believe it. The question right. was. I like mean, this is
2: everybody game. was everybody was begging because the US is at their most comfortable playing in the 4-4-2 and unfortunately here's what it is though. Like everybody wants progressive and and they're calling for Klinsman right now because we're not being progressive, or they're saying we're regressing and we're not making any more progress. Those same people are saying, hey, but we need to, we can't change up the formation. We need to play the 4 4 2 because that's our best formation. What the 4 4 2 is, is we're going to beat bad teams. When we play bad CONCACAF teams at home, we're going to destroy them. We'll win 4 0. When we play more difficult teams or when we go to tricky away games, we're going to get run over. And, Michael Bradley could say whatever the hell he wants, that we lack direction, this and that. Quinsman is not the ta- is not a tactical genius, and he never was, he never will be. We knew that when we hired him. We didn't hire him to be a tactical genius. Um, I just, I completely blanked on what I was going to say. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's just, but I, I, I agree with you. Like, we talked, Paul, you and I spoke in our last show um, about how... We agree that even if he's not the manager for the ages, what Jurgen Klinsman's legacy will be is the efforts that he's done in restructuring kind of the system of US soccer as a whole from top to bottom. And, you know, again, more credit to him for that. But god this game looked like a group of players who were deflated from their last fixture and and were just allowed to stay deflated. And uh, you know, we again, you know, we knew him not to be a brilliant tactician coming into it. I might have thought, you know, again, I didn't think that he was going to be giving any uh, William Wallace esque speeches to inspire his men out there on the field of battle, but I still thought that he would be able to get more from his players in this game. But re- from the very beginning, they just. They really looked almost apathetic.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I was a it, bit surprised. It been, and, but yes. again, no one showed up for this game. And I think that's at, right now. All the all the, the focus is on Quinsman. No one showed up for this game. Michael Bradley was invisible. Jermaine Jones, understandably, was gassed. The guy hasn't played 90 minutes since July. He did so on Friday. And then they asked him to go do it again in in a two man midfield. They asked him just chase down everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timmy Chandler was pretty horrifically bad. John Brooks had his worst game in a U.S. shirt. Omar Gonzalez was pretty bad, but that's what Omar Gonzalez is. He wouldn't have been starting if Jeff Cameron's there. And the someone actually said to me, who picked the players? The manager did. So it's his fault. Well, who was he going to pick over Gonzalez? Was he going to pick the inexperienced Steve Burnbaum? If he picks Birnbaum then, and the same thing happens, then he would get killed. And so well, I think, in that regard, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation.
1: Here's my here's my but, frustration in this is, and granted, it's partially hindsight is 2020, but at, if not if not starting, and again, he might have gotten crucified for this if he'd done it while starting the match. But nonetheless, I also feel like, especially the way the game went, you've got to, you have Cameron Carter-Vickers. On the bench,
2: yeah, he should have cap him
1: tie in. him, cap tie just him. Just do that, like give oh, up an extra yeah. two goals and cap tie him. Yeah, exactly. Because at this point, you know, you're already you're already bottom of the group, and you're gonna win on points, not goal differential. Get Whoa, him in a U.S. shirt wait, for the just, rest of his career.
2: We can easily, we can eat like the last time we played Costa Rica on American soil, we won four 0 So we could easily flip that goal differential around.
1: Yeah, but we're still mi- we're minus 5 though.
2: You okay, know? it's two games. It's two games. Look, the, the 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 two biggest and most fair criticisms you can give of this manager are for last night are not starting Sasha Question and not starting DeAndre Yedlin. But with everybody else it's you know like uh, and you look at the performance of John Brooks. Remember what happened against Trinidad and Tobago? Um last round and against Guatemala in away games. He started DeAndre Yedlin on the right wing in both games because, you know, he wouldn't start him at right back because he said he's never played in Central America before. And everybody went, oh, but what's the big deal? Like, just throw him out there. And he's like, no, it's a different ball game and we got to ease him into it. This was John Brooks's first game in Central America and he looked terrible because he's not used to it. It is a different animal. So that whole inexperienced thing, there is something to that. And I think that... Plays into why John Brooks had a bad game, but
1: uh, not just a bad. It was a horror. Show. I mean, it was it a, was really game. a it was,
2: horror game. It was his worst game. It was his worst game in a U.S. shirt. But yeah. this is also the same player that everybody, fan and media member alike, agreed was our best player at the Copa America. So, yeah. so to I, say that I, oh, it's Klinsman's fault that all of a sudden Brooks is regressing. I mean, come on, please. No. People are just looking for a reason to blame him. And,
1: no, I, I mean, and I mean, I agree. It, I think
2: that's the last night. I said I said, in hindsight, Quinn's been going out there and telling John telling John Brooks to have the worst game of his life was probably not the best managerial decision. I mean, that's how ridiculous fans are sounding because they're just looking for any reason. It, you know, it was the formation. It was this, it was that. It was, Michael Bradley was terrible in both games, whether he played the, the formation or not. And Michael Bradley blamed the formation on Friday, even though he couldn't string together a six-yard pass. He couldn't send the ball out wide. But Bradley never, Josie outdoor credit to him, and we know I'm not his biggest fan. No,
0: credit you're not. to
2: him after the game. He said, we need to look in the mirror and say, what? Like, why did we not show up? Michael Bradley has never pointed the finger at himself and said, "Yeah, you know what? I wasn't comfortable in the formation, but I'm a professional player and I should be able to play it." Or, I, yeah, I wasn't comfortable in the formation, but I should be able to make a 6-yard pass or when there's nobody with it between me and Timmy Chandler who's wide open running down the right flank, I should be able to hit him with the pass." He's never said that and it's not you can't, you know, it's not Jurgen's fault that every single player showed up and and I've been saying this all day today. I am not, I, I look, I like Quinsman. I, I fully admit he's not the tactical genius. I am not anti making a change. I am in favor of making a change. If you make a well thought out change with a plan for the future. And right now, the name that everybody is throwing out there is Bruce arena. And that would be taking 12 steps back. And I, said this to my friend and it, I I understand this is a bit of an exaggeration it's a bit out there but there's also elements of truth to it Bruce Arena is the Donald Trump of managerial candidates
1: <laughs> what that is that is the falsest dichotomy of false dichotomies I've ever heard <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's he would be taking he's he is a step in the wrong direction and let's and Bruce Arena is on the record saying the U.S. should only be using players that were born in America. Mm, all of a sudden now, oh, okay, maybe that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. And not to, mention, mm. not to mention that Bruce Arena was also, when he, he got run out of town by the U.S., by fans and the media, and the charges against him were, well, he seemed to lack a tactical vision, which is exactly what we're saying about Quinsman right now. He rotated his lineup far too often. Exactly what we're saying about Quinsman right now. So, I mean, what makes him better?
1: Because he's not a racist, bigoted
2: demagogue? <laughs> well, I'm not, uh, not saying what makes him better than Trump. I'm saying what makes him better than Quinsman.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. You know, I, I mean, some
2: creative conservative U.S. coach for a penchant of playing guys out of position and had no tactical vision. Yeah. And he changed his lineup more often than Quinsman did, so he's the better option. And people are going to. My friend was trying to tell me today, like, um. You know, he knows Concacaf. He knows the hex. He's he's gotten through it before. Well, so is Quinsman, and Bruce Arena went through the hex in 2001, and he went through the hex in 2005. Don't try to tell me that the 2004-2005 Concacaf is on the same level as 2015, 2016, 2017, CONCACAF. It's yeah. way better now. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, Other... It is way better. Yeah. I mean, the, we've seen... Bothers...
2: A... Yes? Said, what bothers me the most right now is the loudest people are, these, are the media.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the media has I... a bias. Yeah. The media has a bias. There's no question about that. And that's not a knock against them. The media is biased, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's, it's news whether it's anything. I'm a bias. Uh, when, in my writing, I don't deny that I have a bias. The media's bias. The media's never liked Quinsman. They never liked him from the moment he walked in the door in 2011. And at times they hid their hate for him when there was clear and obvious success, but every, no matter how much success he had, as soon as they lost the game, they sharpened their knives. The other, pro, the other loud majority of people, or I don't know if it's the majority, but the people screaming for Quinsman to be outed, are all these fans who are relatively new? And like my friend and I had a conversation about it today where he said where he was saying, Hey, Bruce Arena, Bruce Arena, let's do it. And when I brought up Arena, he said, I'll be honest, he said, I don't know. You know, I can't speak for when Bruce Arena managed the US team. I didn't watch them then. And I don't watch Bruce Arena at LA. And I was like, Well, that's the problem, is there's there's so many fans that have latched onto this name when they don't know, they didn't watch him. You know, there's a lot of fans that are complaining that games are on BN Sport uh, because they they literally don't remember four years ago where away games weren't even televised in the United States because we didn't have the rights. And how much better it is that, yeah, most people don't have BN Sport, but at least the games are televised now. You wouldn't know that because four years ago you weren't watching this team, and now you're shouting from the mountaintops as if you know more than – German who won the World Cup as a player and took a team to the semifinals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to come to that. The media has been calling for Klinsmann's head and Bruce Arena is the name that's been on many people's lists over potential many, replacements. You know what
2: else I saw last night that really concerned me. Yeah. A lot of memes that were just like, oh, Louis Van Gaal's available. And I was like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. I am not doing that.
0: Big Sam! Big yeah. Sam! I mean I was I was looking
2: I was told me, one person said to me on Twitter, they said, At least, you know, like get Van Hall in there. He'll drop Bradley. He'll you know he'll drop door. At least Van Hall isn't afraid to make the tough choice and make the big decision like that. And I'm like, you're acting like Jurgen Quinsman didn't come in and immediately jettison Carlos Bocanegra from the squad and mm-hmm. Cut Landon Donovan the night, like, right before the World Cup. Like, stop acting like Quinsman's never made a decision like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, looking at other potential names, I was looking over a list that they had up on Fox Sports, and Marcelo Bielsa was on the list. And that would be really entertaining to see, but I honestly don't think that the U's job has that kind of a drawing power. You i you would get. I'm,
1: I, I disagree. Yeah. I, I think that... I think he would be a great choice. I mean, but I also... The amount I, of no, pressure no, I,
2: that fans are turning this job into is England-esque. Yeah, but also
1: the... I mean, the... Like, the profile and the money matter a lot, too. And he left Lazio in pretty ignominious circumstances. So it's not like his stock is skyrocketing, Right? No, but I mean, I, but granted, I also, I also think that Paulie, as you and I spoke about in our last show about the U.S. national team, it's he's Klinsmann is not going to lose his job until the U.S. are mathematically eliminated from the 2018 World Cup. But not, not a minute before is he going to lose his job? And then the question is, if they are will Marcelo Bielsa really want that job? I think the answer is no. So, well, I think that he might be a great fit. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't see those puzzle pieces fitting together, but I also don't think that the U S men's national team is a job that can't court a manager of Bielsa's kind of Providence, I guess.
2: I just, there's two things. one is fans have almost demanded an hundred percent record. Criticism I've heard is, oh, but it's not just the four nothing loss last night. We lost four nothing to Guatemala. Okay, The Guatemala match in the grand scheme of things means nothing. We won the group in the, in that round. We advanced to the next qualifying round. So who cares what happened in between there? And the other one was we lost our first World Cup qualifying match at home since two thousand and one. That's unacceptable. So apparently now a winning streak, it's uh, is never allowed to lose. And if and if you lose that winning streak, that's a knock against the manager. I mean, losses happen, and people have to understand that. And we lost to Mexico, which yeah, is a better on team. its worst day even with us, and on their normal day probably better than us. Yes. All right. Like, and. Costa Rica is probably going to be the most difficult away game we play in the Hex. And yes, I am not forgetting about the Azteca Stadium. I don't think the Azteca is as big of a home field advantage as it used to be. Um, so right there, like this isn't like we lost it home to Honduras and away to Panama. It, like You have to remember that. And I know everybody wants to fire the manager, but that's just because that's the American thing. It's we need a scapegoat here. We have to fire the manager. Why? Because we can't get rid of the players. We can only use American players. And firing the manager is the easy way. But I tweeted this last night. You know, who's going to be at fault when we get a new manager and they still have to use the same players? Mm-hmm. Which is why I said, like, if you want to fire Quinsman, Michael Bradley has to follow him out the door.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah.
2: And, and I find it interesting that Michael Bradley, throughout the Quinsman tenure, Michael Bradley is the only player that has ever been outspoken against Klinsman. And from day one that Klinsman's gotten here, he has made it clear, Michael Bradley's our guy. We want to build our team around Michael Bradley. I talked to Michael about everything. I, I talked to him, I make it clear, this is the role that I envision for you. This is what I want you to do. Okay, we wanted you to be a number 10. That's not working. You're not comfortable with that. We're going to make you, we're going to bring you back. We're going to play you deeper. He, we, Michael Bradley's at the center point of Klinsman's team Forever, And Michael Bradley is the only one who hasn't been, who has ever been outspoken against Klinsman. And you know what? If Michael Bradley, and right now Michael Bradley is having struggles adapting to the play of Pulisic and adapting to the play of Gooch and adapting to the player, to the play of the young kids because they play different styles, which is to be expected. Those kids came up in the Jurgen Klinsman development programs, which we're supposed to change the style of U S soccer. Michael Bradley at that point was already too old and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So what would you rather? And by switching formations to accommodate Bradley cause he wasn't on un- cause he was uncomfortable. We jettisoned Pulisic out wide instead of having him in the middle, in the middle to really influence the game. So, the question is, do you want to accommodate your older player in Bradley, or do you want to accommodate somebody like Pulisic, who's the future? And if your older player like Bradley is going to be outspoken against the coach, maybe it's just time to drop him.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's had resentment because his dad get pushed out.
2: I don't know if that's I'm a fair kidding. statement, but I will say he did in 2012 and 2013, he was playing his best soccer of his career. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that also, like, you know, it's, I think that his,
1: even though we've been, I think rightfully pretty strong in our criticisms of Bradley of late, I nonetheless also think that he is of, you know, and I was thinking about this phrase earlier when we were talking about Brooks, like, you know, uh, form is temporary, class is permanent. And yeah. Okay. Brooks had a horror show, but he can hopefully move on from that because we all agree he's a classy player. Bradley's fallen off the pace. You know, maybe he'll never get back to where he was, but he was of the class that his place in Bob Bradley's U S national team many years ago was not based on nepotism, but rather his genuine quality as a footballer. Now that said, so I think that he'd earned his place there, but it also makes perfect sense that I mean, his his dad is the manager, you know? He knows how his dad expects football to be played in a general strategic sense. He knows his dad's tactical adjustments. He knows how his dad wants him to be playing both on an individual level and within the team because it's his freaking dad. Like, of, of course he was playing his best football then. I mean, I don't... Well, and, no, again, I think his like, best
2: football... His best football was in 2012 and 2013, which was under Quinsman, and it's not a coincidence that when he was playing his best football, the U.S. went on their longest winning streak that they've ever had.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, whether this is Raw or not, I'm signing off and saying goodbye. That was a horror show from the U.S., and hopefully we can do better. We're not out of it yet, but good Lord. Hmm.
2: That
0: is the it. heck for- is ultra,
2: ultra forgiving. Yeah, <laughs> if we win our if we win our next game, we jump into fourth place and we're right back in it. So let's calm down. You know, Mexico, it's not like Mexico one. Also, when we have two teams with six points, Mexico has four points,
0: you know, a win.
2: and We're right back in it.
0: OK, so goodbye to there. Take a look. Quick look at the standings before we move on in Costa Rica on top 6 points Mexico Panama 4 points each Honduras 3 points and then Trinidad and Tobago and the US with 0 points and i mean we spoke about this before the international break that did the game against Mexico really matter
2: no yeah like i mean that's it's just it matters
0: as people just overreact yeah i mean it's never good to lose a game like that uh, especially in the fashion that they did but at the same time, you have plenty of time to make it up. And but I think a lot's being made of the fashion that they did. And there's blame
2: being put so many in so many different places that where it shouldn't, where it's undeserved, you know, like everybody wanted to blame the formation because Bradley blamed the formation, but the first goal that they conceded was because a shot got deflected yeah. and it beat Tim Howard. And the second goal was because they didn't defend a set piece. Well, like that's not the formation's fault.
0: No, I mean it's and it's not like you know. The horror example is always Brazil, Germany in the 2014 World Cup.
2: But you that's know. that's kind of like how people want us to play because we we do lose these games four nil now, and and part of the reason that we lose four nil is because we our goal now is to play the same way against everybody and now was quinsman's goal coming in was let's not be afraid of teams anymore let's go at them and try to beat them and that you know we played open we played we played a 4-4-2 last night we played open we went into costa rica and said we could easily sit back and you know try what, this is a ground that we've never won at let's sit back let's defend let's be tidy let's hope to hit them on a set piece and try to win 1-0 or get a 1-1 or a nil-nil draw. And he said, no, we're going to go for it and we're going to win. And when you do that and it doesn't work, you lose big. And that's what's happened. But, you know, people are now mad that we're losing big. Yeah, if we had Bob Bradley or if we had Bruce Arena, we, we would lose that game one nothing, and we'd look uninventive and we'd look afraid of all these teams. Mm-hmm. So this is what happens when you go for it. You know, Brazil didn't respect Germany. They went for it and Germany just pummeled them. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's the kind of result that should be immediate firing of your coach, especially when I don't really feel like there's anyone better standing in the shadows ready to take over.
2: Exactly. That's Look, I again, I am I am not against firing him, but if you do, you need to I don't want you don't want to bring in a caretaker manager. No. Uh, and you have to do it with a better option and a good long-term plan because oh.
0: You know who's available? Go Van Hall. No, Sven.
2: I I heard his name thrown out there. There you go. But the issue is is you can't deny that Jurgen Klinsmann's done a really good job as technical director and you want him to stay on as technical director. He's mm-hmm. been really good at it. And right now the plan is he's going to manage through the next World Cup, he's going to step down as manager and he's going to remain on as technical director. That's that is the plan. And so he's not going to just right now accept the demotion of, okay, Jurgen we're actually going to, um, we're going to actually, you know, just pl- please go back to only being technical director right now. He's not going to accept that. So you either have to fire him completely, which is detrimental to the long-term future of the program. Mm-hmm. Or, and even if he does step down, it's weird circumstances. And who are you going to get to be the manager right now with Jurgen Klinsmann looking over their shoulder?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I don't.
2: There's nobody better. And if you're thinking long term, step back, see the big picture. Quinsman's fruits are starting to bloom. You know, no one said this was going to happen overnight. In fact, he stressed that it wasn't going to happen overnight. For some reason, people decided three years was enough time. But three years is in the long term of international soccer, that's overnight. Six years later, when you're talking about developing youth. It's starting to bear out, and we're only seeing the beginning of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I would like to see my uh, Bradley drop though.
2: Oh, I would love it. Oh my God. I would. I would love it. You know, let him play the March, uh, like March and and I guess June. Maybe he'll be injured. Maybe he won't be. But Caleb Stanko, like Perry Kitchen. Uh, find another central midfielder and let play them in every game in the Gold Cup next summer and whichever one of them catches on, y- you go right into Bradley's spot.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm, let's uh, shift our focus over to Europe and uh, England. They uh, defeated Scotland. Took a 3-0 win. Um, pretty solid game throughout, really. Uh, Scotland, I mean, they're they're in a bad way. They're called are bad. There's a gap in quality here. Yeah, but I mean, that that's a nation where you might want to actually look at getting a new manager in.
2: Right. And But again, but, all right, so, let's put this into perspective. Scotland, bad team. You might want to look at getting a new manager in. England, much better talent. Uh, they go out there and pummel Scotland, but that doesn't mean that their interim manager should all of a sudden... Become the regular manager. <clears throat> Seb <clears throat>
0: Oh, he's done enough. He's what's done enough. He pro-
2: why? Why? What has he done? What has he done? He's
0: done exactly what's been expected of him.
2: Which is England's pro that's England's problem. And and you know what? Like right now England, if if you say he's done enough and England are ready to give him that job, here's why they're not. Because they're waiting to find out what the US does. If the U.S. fires Quinsman, Gareth Southgate is not getting that England job.
0: Oh, he will get it before. I mean, I read today the Guardian, well-renowned paper. I do believe what they're saying here, that he will be confirmed before the end of the month.
2: Unless Quinsman gets fired.
0: But he won't get fired.
2: If he does, he'll have a job the next day Mm. in England.
0: So, yeah, the latest reports coming out of England is that Southgate will be confirmed as the next manager before the end of the month on a four-year contract, and he will get a nice little salary of 1.5 million pounds. I mean, that's just... Does England, like,
2: look at any other... Does anybody look at any other country in that FA and figure out what they're doing and what England's doing wrong.
0: No, no. I mean, they, they've they've been clear. They've been clear that they prefer an English manager here. They went, they went with Capello. They went with Sven. They want an Englishman in there. I mean, clean.
2: Okay. Okay. But forget about the manager right now, because it's the same problem as the Americans have. The problem is they have to use English players Mm -hmm. because I mean, look at where England is now. Look at where England was 12 years ago. Look at where England was in 2004. Let's run down that roster. Striker, Michael Owen. Uh, best striker on a team that was doing pretty well in the Premier League and winning, and you know competing, going to Champions League finals and winning some Champions Leagues. Wayne Rooney was the 18-year-old prodigy ready to take them to the next level. Midfield, you had Paul Scholes, best midfielder, probably in the Premier League one of the best in the world on a team that won Premier League titles and Champions Leagues. Frank Lampard, best midfielder on his team, on a team that, you know, got to the semifinals of the Champions League routinely. Steven Gerrard, best player on his team, on a team that won Champions Leagues and did pretty well in the Premier League. You know, that's the list. You know, Rio Ferdinand, best defender on one of those teams. John Terry, best defender on one of those teams. Jamie Carragher, best defender on one of those teams. Ashley Cole, probably the best left back in the world. Who's on the team now? got Danny Rose best left back on a team that collapsed late and ultimately is usually like a team that fights for fourth place Um, you have Eric Dyer is your your bright spot I guess Chris Smalling is you know a a guy that finally broke through at Manchester United right around when they became bad Um, John Stones young kid makes a ton of mistakes Phil Jagielka uh, a player best defender on a team that really always finished around seventh and eighth I would like that's Look at the difference in the in the teams now.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing though with the Premier League being what it is right now with all their the money. Striker.
2: Their top striker, Daniel Sturridge, doesn't even start for his own team. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean so you
0: have you have they, fewer and fewer English players being the best on their team. Yes. But, but I they
2: s- need someone. They need someone like Jurgen Quinsman. Doesn't have to be him, but they need someone who comes in and says, look, I understand my job is lead the senior team to um, win with the senior team. But we need to take a hard look at ourselves and figure out how we're developing players and what's wrong Mm -hmm. because we're not developing players anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, and that's a result of the Premier League.
2: It's a result of the Premier League. It's a result of players not stepping out of their comfort zone.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, too, I mean, England has this view of itself as a powerhouse, and they're not. That's just what, fact. I mean, going. What's wrong with going to
2: another country and? I mean, what's instead again instead of sending your kid down to the championship, send him to, you know, a a bottom of the a relegation battling team in in the Bundesliga or in Syria ah, or you know just send him somewhere else. We we talked about this all the time. And, Um, I don't know if you saw it, there was like a 15 minute documentary put out about Christian Pulisic last week done by one of the men in Blazers and Pulisic talked about how hard it was to make the decision to go to Germany and how he was out of his comfort zone and how it was really hard and he was really, you know, he was really sad and it was a very hard transition for him, but ultimately he's happy he did it because getting out of his comfort zone made him a better player. England needs to do that. You need to send your kids out of their comfort zone. Perry, I mean, Cush- uh, Perry, Kitch- Perry Kitchen says the same thing. Says the same thing. You know, I, I jumped and I went to I went to Scotland. It knocked me out of my comfort zone, but it's made me a better player.
0: I mean, I I think that's good advice in life.
2: It is. England so- needs to follow. Someone needs to point the finger at England and say we got to like Josie out there. We got to look in the mirror and figure out what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean because- Manager, we pick. He has to use these players. Yeah. That, that's international football for you. Whatever manager you pick, these are you can only pick from these players. You can't you can't go out there and sign Eden Hazard.
0: Nope. No, and I mean the, the if you look at some of the countries that have been successful, successful too, is you know Germany. They did a full revamp of their system. I mean they had a really good spell in the eighties and seventies. Re- that was Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean you look at that, you look at Spain, they built long term and they also you know have a knack of getting some really really talented players up there. But then you have the other side of it like Italy. I mean, you look at their team at the World Cup and you're like, eh, "It's looking pretty bad." But then once it's tournament time, they just they have that switch and they can turn it on. Whereas England now, yeah, they cruise through qualifiers. They get to the knockout stages, but, you know, they're never anywhere near getting to the final. Yeah. So, I mean, they're top of their group right now, 10 points. After three wins and one draw. And, um, yeah, there's there's no way that they're going to miss out on the World Cup. No no, matter who takes over. They'll be there. Yeah. And I think Garrett Southgate... I mean, if they're going to go by those guidelines that they've set up at the FA, he's done enough.
2: It's just, that's the sad state of English football.
0: Yeah. That's just how it is, and I mean, I'm not super excited of Garrett Southgate's because I don't think that he's done a lot of things different. Yeah, he dropped Wayne Rooney for a game. But I mean, it, now comes the, you know, if he does get the the job, full time. You got to start looking at getting some new blood into this site and getting rid of
2: the old, deadweight blood.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, Phil Jagielka. Why?
2: Jagielka. I mean, if you're not going to use Cahill, yeah. why?
0: Yeah. Yeah. K uh, Yeah. Yeah. Cahill. I mean, that that's the problem too. Me? I mean, both both Cahill and Stones are error prone.
2: Right. And and Rooney, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Yeah. I think they I almost think they need a new manager just so that the new manager could come in and be like, I'm dropping Rooney. Sorry, you're not my captain. I'm dropping you. Cause Gary Southgate was put into a position where he couldn't really do that. Like I can't drop Rooney because Um I couldn't really drop Rooney because I'm just the caretaker manager. Mm-hmm. And now if, if you give him that permanent job, well it's like well, I've already not dropped Rooney, so I can't drop him now.
0: I mean, he always can. I, 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 I think it's unlikely, but he can.
2: I don't. I don't think he can.
0: But I, I feel like you got to look. Yes, you have your core players, but then you got to start bringing in some, some new blood here. Because yeah, I mean, you still have, you know, a year and a half to go uh, before the World Cup.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, it, but the problem is, is it's a year and a half where you're not going to learn anything. Uh, I mean, what'd you learn from that friendly against Spain? Nothing other than the fact that you can't hold a lead weight. But again, but that's a friendly where you can't hold that against everybody. Um, because in a friendly, you make all these substitutions that wouldn't actually happen in a real game. So yeah, but all you, those you, details, you, you got to discount.
0: Yeah, but you saw that when Spain put on some good players. Whoop, 2-2. Two, two. Yep. So... Yeah, not too much other noteworthy stuff coming out of Europe. We should say that Ireland, the teams
2: Ireland, teams
0: Ireland are on top of their group.
2: Good, good, good. I want. Did you see the video of the Ireland fans meeting a Jurgen Klopp look-alike? No. Oh my god, they met a Jurgen Klopp. They met a guy in the subway that looked like Jurgen Klopp, and they. Just, it, like, we need a World Cup. We need Ireland in the World Cup because I need more Irish fan videos. That was the best part of the Euros.
0: Yeah, so they're they're ahead of Serbia and Wales right now and Austria in Group D. So, I mean, that's really good on them. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what else we should say. Spain and Italy, still 10-point each. Uh, Belgium, four straight wins. Nothing surprising there. Uh, Bizarre sending off between Greece and Bosnia, though. Edin Dzeko pulling down the pants of a Greek defender. And got I read off. about
2: that. I saw a headline, but yeah. I didn't actually know what happened. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, he pulled down his pants. It was quite hilarious. Louis van Hall did that in the halftime. One. Okay, let's go over to South America, and uh, I mean, after we were recording, as Brazil was pummeling Argentina. Uh, after that, they did get back. They uh, took a win in the second game of the that they played this round of qualifiers. Took a 3 0 win over Colombia. Goals by Lionel Messi and Lucas Prato and Angel Di Maria. So right now, Argentina are in. And then they
2: all went to the press conference just to say we're not talking to the media.
0: Yes, media blackout. So they're in fifth right now. That's the. um, That will take them to the qualification playoffs. Uh, Brazil tops the group ahead of Uruguay, Ecuador, and Chile. And. I almost – I mean, it's, it's sort of um, – I don't dislike Argentina by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like they haven't played that well. The results haven't been there, but still, just because of the, that win now over um, the Colombians, they are in the – I'd division.
2: almost not what? want them to make the uh, World Cup just so I don't like hear the, oh, is this going to be the year that Messi finally wins it stories forever? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Do you know what Messi should try doing? He should try doing a Ronaldo and just, you know, not playing in the important games and standing on the sidelines and yelling at the team.
0: Oh, yeah. He was a great coach in that one.
2: That's what Messi should try doing. Yeah. Because that, that is how Ronaldo got his first international trophy and probably his only international trophy.
0: Yes. Yeah, Brazil, they took uh, another win there. They beat Peru on the road um, two nothing. Gabriel Jesus and Renato Augusto. Uh, Jesus playing really well. I mean, when he comes into City in January, oof, gives them... Uh... I mean, Brazil,
2: Brazil are just looking like Brazil again. Yeah. They 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 mailed in the Copa America, so you can't hold that against them. But they they went out, they, they set out to win a gold medal. They did that. And they're they, 27 points through 12 games in qualifying. So they're sitting pretty there. Uh so like they're gonna they're just well on their way to being a favorite in the Russia and losing in the semifinals.
0: Yeah, I know. But I mean that that's the thing too. After the defeat in 2014, they did take a hard look at the team. They you know Good. That's what you got to do. <laughs> they really started bringing in a new, you know, a new generation of players and now you have some amazing talent.
2: And Coutinho's, like, turned into a godsend.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um,
2: that, that, that's a kid that's blossomed.
0: Yeah. Man, do you think Inter would want him back?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: So, yeah, Brazil sitting pretty at the top there. Um, I mean, Uruguay, they feel like a shoe in at this point, too, even though they lost 3-1 to Chile. Lusor has missed a penalty in that one. That's right. Didn't yeah. miss a meal, though. Alexis Sanchez
2: and Argentina get to play Bolivia not their yeah. next their next game home to Chile and then away to Bolivia yeah Chile will make up those points when they play Venezuela at home Brazil at Uruguay Ooh, that's a good one mm-hmm. Brazil at Uruguay and then home to Paraguay
0: yeah there's some good games Match day up.
2: 14 in Convo Bowl is literally just all the bad teams playing all the good teams
0: yeah, yeah. widening the gap yeah, I mean that that's I mean at this point I would say that I mean Colombia they're just a point behind Argentina, so they're very much in it. Match but day th-
2: fifteen in yes. Connable is August thirty first, which means August thirty first is during an international break, which means when is deadline day? Uh,
0: probably September first. In the middle of an international
2: break? Yeah.
0: I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I feel like after Colombia you got you know, Paraguay and Peru, I know, I don't really see them challenging for that last qualification spot there to go to the No, playoffs. it's it's
2: between it's between Colombia to try to get in. Yeah. You know, Paraguay's Paraguay's four points back on that. Yeah. With a minus six goal differential.
0: Yeah. Brazil plus nineteen. They've scored 28 goals in 12 games. So, yeah, I think it would have been more fun if Argentina lost again.
2: But, you know, they have a chance. Chile Chile away, away. that's not an easy game. No. And I mean, even if they would... And it's March. It's in March. That's when Arsenal and and Sanchez, that's when they start getting rolling again.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, and the thing is, too, that even if they would have to go to the qualification playoffs, that would still be a big thing. If they fail to take one of the four guaranteed yeah. spots,
2: I mean they're playing. Who are they playing? I think they play like New Zealand. <laughs> oh. Um. Hold on, CONCACAF versus Asia. Yeah, they're gonna play New Zealand. Oh my God! <laughs> they're they're really, they're playing Oceania.
0: Okay. Well, never mind then.
2: I mean, yeah. maybe they'll play uh, – well, actually, you know who's – oh, no, never mind. They're still in uh, – where are they? They're in Wait. the stage. Oh, so New Zealand's already won that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they play – who did they even play in Oceana?
2: Wait, hold on. Yes? They're up to the final match, so they will be playing Tahiti in the final match with the winner will get to play the fifth place team in CONMEBOL. Okay.
0: So, well, whoever wins that good luck.
2: I mean what Argentina you you have you're taking your U23s to that, right? I mean, you obviously it's World Cup like it's the World Cup, you can't you can't mess around, but if you brought Messi like you'd win you'd win 21-0 on aggregate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I wish there was a tougher opponent there really.
2: Like Alabama can go and play a high school team in football and it wouldn't even be as much of an of a, as lopsided affair as, <laughs> as Argentina and New Zealand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, it would be quite the uh the thing there if they would have to go to the playoffs. But, I mean, they still have a lot of games to play, too.
2: Yeah, there's, there's a, the Common Ball's a marathon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I would like that. I'd be okay with that. I'd, I'd be okay with CONCACAF doing their World Cup qualifying for two years. I mean, it, it would... It would so- make the formation... It would make the... Uh, it would make the, the... The qualification for the World Cup more... Even more forgiving than it already is. Yes. But... I'm in favor of more competitive games.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's the thing that they do instead of splitting stuff up like they do in CONCACAF where you have the different rounds and you play groups and all that crap. Just make it one big one.
2: They 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 can't. Like, CONMobile can't. like South America doesn't have a, a bunch of tiny countries. It's just a bunch of medium-sized to big countries. There's 10 of them. Literally 10 countries in the continent. Yeah. So there's only so much they can do. CONCACAF has 50-something nations. It's just most of them are the size of Manhattan.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, then have a play-in round. But who plays in the play-in round? I mean... You go by the FIFA rankings for I, don't I, X I amount not know.
2: I have no problem with CONVOL just being like, you know what, 10 teams, round robin, let's do it. And if it takes two and a half years, it takes two and a half years.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there's there's no real point in the U.S. playing games against Saint Vincent and the Grenadines.
2: Well, there's a reason why the U. Well, the Concacaf does have playing rounds. It, it's a pyramid, and there's a reason that the U.S. doesn't come in until the final, the final two rounds. They hmm. come in in the semifinal round, which is probably the most difficult of the rounds because you're in a four-team group. We're only the top two advance. That's like the world cup or the champions league or any other tournament. Yep. There's less margin for error. But the problem is, is in order to round out to get to 12 teams, um, you're going to have bad teams in there. I mean, this is, and CONCACAF has already said that they're looking into ways to change up their world cup qualifying because you know, it's not good that a year and a half out of the world cup, most of their teams aren't playing anymore, mm-hmm. but you know, there's only so much you can extend it without just ruining the quality of play. Because, look, you can play, you can you can make your final round have 12 teams or 16 teams and figure out a way to do that. Um, you're still only playing for three and a half spots. And you still have the U.S. and you still have Mexico and you still have Costa Rica and you still have Honduras. So, you know, those are going to be your, those are most likely going to be your four teams that are right there at the end. And no matter how many teams you bring into the final round, it's going to be those four. So there's only so much you could do to without diluting the quality of the final round, especially when you're a federation that has to, when you want to have your regional tournament, you can only make it 12 teams because you just can't put 16 good teams out there. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see if we'll see any changes. Hot, that's going to do it for this international roundup. Um, when is the next, next international break? March? March. Yeah. March.
2: I mean, I'm sure the U.S. will have their stupid January camp in January, but.
0: Yeah, I remember those. The Sweden and the U.S. used to play each other back in back in the old days. Like 10 years ago. Well. January is so yeah. the next
2: one. Yeah. U.S., Honduras, then a trip to Panama.
0: Oh. Should be interesting. Yes, Don't... absolutely. Yeah. Hmm? Well, will say goodbye with that. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin and Polly's is W F A N. Until next time, have a good one.